Greetings all, my name is Nzinga Nomo. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm the owner and founder of Afriware Books Company, been in business since 1993. And we have a very special guest with us today on our podcast, Black Business Banter, who I will introduce shortly. But those, for those of you who do not know me, or know of Afterware Books located in Maywood, Illinois. We pride ourselves on providing a platform for artists and advocates, advocates who instill a sense of cultural pride. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce um, as part of a celebration of the 160th uh, birthday of Ida B. Wells, her great-granddaughter, Michelle Duster. Please, in virtual land, put your hands together for Miss Michelle Duster. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. So it's been a delight in the few moments we've had um, to meet you personally. And we have come to the conclusion that there is so much to cover, um, but we are going to do our level best to at least give some um, insight to the Chicago focus that you have had um, in the last few years to your great-grandmother's spectacular, spectacular legacy. Um, I'm going to, we're going to share the screen so that um, the items you speak of will be seen by our audience. So I'm going to do that now. Okay, there we are. Please and um, do not hesitate to share any um, accomplishments of yourself and or your great-grandmother that are relevant to um, the discussion. So uh, would you please start by talking about, uh, well, I visited recently the historical marker of your great-grandmother and the home of your great-grandmother. And um, your website features a number of other projects uh, that you have worked on in her honor. So start wherever you are most comfortable. Well, I mean, I've been working um, to help people remember my great-grandmother, Edna Wells, for um, quite a while, actually. Um, the first project that I ever worked on was in 1988. Um, I worked on a documentary film um, for PBS's American Experience series. Um, it's called Ida B. Wells and Passion for Justice. And um, so that was quite a while ago. Uh, but that actually was the first project that I worked on. But I learned a lot, obviously, about her, um, not only from a family perspective, but from a scholarly perspective. I, you know, interviewed, I was there to, um, when um, different scholars were interviewed, and I got a chance to talk to them off camera. And so I learned a lot of information that was different than what I learned only, you know, talking to family members. Um, back at that time, 1988, was um, the only other real thing that had been done 
to remember my great-grandmother was the, her autobiography, which was published in 1970, that my grandmother, the youngest daughter, edited. Um, and then there were the Ida B. Wells homes in Chicago, which was a public housing community um, named after her. It was stood in Chicago from 1941 to 2002, so over 60 years. Um, so in 1988, there were only two tributes to her, which was the book, her own book um, and the homes. And so from that point forward, there have been several other biographies that have been written by other people. Um, but starting in 2008 was when I got, got more active in um, helping to her to be remembered. Um, part of it, there were, there were sort of a few things that happened. One is that the Ida B. Wells homes um, started to be demolished in 2002 and so six years later in 2008 um, I just kind of came up with an idea I'm like well what is going to happen you know to help people remember her after the homes are gone um, and so that's kind of what started me on this journey um, just the idea that the homes were no longer going to be here and so there needed to be something else to remember her so I uh, so I first approached um, Mayor Daly at the time about what was the city going to do to remember who Ida was, and a committee had already been formed, um, initiated by the former residents of the Ida Wells Homes. So that was a really good thing because it was community driven um, and grassroots driven versus like our family, you know, going and demanding this. It was definitely the community that initiated it. And I became involved with the committee to give sort of family input. Um, <clears throat> so that started this. And then I, I also, um, Paula Giddings was creating, a, um, she had been working on a biography of Ida for a very long time. She involved, um, interacted with several of my family members, um, mostly my father's generation. And so when I knew her book was coming out, uh, which was a biography of Ida, I came, I came up with the idea to um, create a book that had edited a book of Ida's writings, her writing, so that people could read Ida's original writing without it being edited. And I thought it would complement Paula's book, you know, because if they read all about her, um, Ida's life, then they might be curious to read Ida's writing. So that was my idea, was that it would complement Paula's book. Um, so those two things happened at the same time. I was working on the um, editing, uh, it was called Ida in Her Own Words, and working with this um, committee to create at that time, it wasn't even a monument. It was just like, we want to do something. Um, we hadn't even decided what it was going to be yet. And it took a couple of years of sort of um, look, researching different types of ways that she could, uh, that a tribute could be created. And we finally settled on a monument. And then we settled on Richard Hunt as the um, sculptor. Settled meaning that's what we agreed to. Um, it was our first choice in our dream um, to have Richard Hunt do the work for several reasons. He was our first choice. So we were so happy that he agreed to work on it. It took um, um, quite a few years to get the project actually done and it was installed in 2021, just a, a little over a year ago, June, June 30th. Um, so between 2008 and now, 
Um, I have edited a second book of Ida's um, writing that she did in England. She traveled to England um, in 1894. And so I found the articles that she wrote from that trip and edited those and put them into a book so people could read about what she wrote about overseas. Um, I've, and I've worked on, uh, I'll just go through the books first. I've worked on um, Ida B. the Queen, which is a hybrid biography slash um, sort of contemporizing Ida and connecting her to people and, and events that have happened after her um, to show, you know, her legacy, the impact of her legacy on today's world. Um, and then a, a children's picture book, Ida B. Wells' Voice of Truth, which was published this year. <laughs> there was an Ida B. Wells doll that came out um, just this past January. Uh, that I, I worked with Mattel, my brother and I worked with Mattel to um, create the doll. So there was a lot of family input um, into, into that um, product. Um, and then as far as public history projects, there was, I well, like I mentioned, Ida B. Wells um, National Monument, which was created by Richard Hunt. It was installed last year. So it's still fairly new and we're uh, hoping people, we want it to become a, literally a national tourist um, destination. Um, there was an IDB Wells marker, to, uh, a marker to remember the homes as well as who they were named after, which I thought was important to, to create so that the homes, which were such a huge part of the South Side of Chicago's history and experience, um, it should be remembered even though the homes are not there anymore. Um, and I had Ida, uh, Honorary Street, Ida B. Wells Way on that same corner because that's where the Ida B. Wells homes were. Um, and then uh, had initiated having a suffrage monument created to remember Ida and her contemporaries who worked um, to make it so that women could have the right to vote in general, but also in Illinois has its own unique history because women got the right to vote in 1913 in Illinois. Um, so Ida was involved in, you know, um, advocating for state uh, rights. Um, and, and Illinois was the first state east of the Mississippi to grant women the right to vote. So the, the history of Illinois is unique and it needs to be more well known when it comes to women's rights. Um, and then Ida B. Wells Drive, which was Congress Parkway, um, Again, I worked with Alderman King to make that happen, and it, the name was changed. Through City Council, it was changed in 2018, but then the actual signage went up in 2019, and the dedication ceremony took place in 2019. So there were two, there were two steps involved in making that happen. First, you have to have City Council vote, and then it's a lot, you know, to get all the signage changed. Um, so those are the projects that I've worked on in, in Chicago. Um, there are a lot of other projects going on around the country to recognize or, or to include Ida um, in other suffrage monuments. There's one in Memphis that was just installed this past March. Um, and then there are some other projects that are slated for Washington, D.C. Um, there are some schools that are named after Ida, one in um, Washington, D.C. and one in Portland. There's one in Chicago as well. But the two in Portland and Washington, D.C. are more new. And um, they have created, um, in Washington, they created a statue in front of the school um, of Ida. 
there's a lot there's a lot going on I can go on and on but I mean she's getting national attention and um, it within this four-year period of time from 2018 <clears throat> what was what's helped um, create um, support for the projects that I've been working on has been um, Ida was awarded a Pulitzer Prize special citation um, in 2020, posthumous obviously, um, and then in 2018, there, there, um, it was 2018, the um, New York Times did a series called Overlooked, which were um, delayed obituaries, um, and so Ida was the first one to be featured in that and so that you know the New York Times has a large reach and so it sort of elevated her um, name and her story and it helped propel um, some of the other projects that came afterwards so it's all it's been a whirlwind <laughs> um, four years um, but in some ways the, the projects are connected or they've one project has led to another uh, all uh, as a, and then also the 20 in 2020 was the centennial of the 19th amendment so there was a lot of focus on the suffragists and and uh, there were a lot of people who were focusing on black women in the suffrage movement and Ida was included you know involved in the suffrage movement so again you know that kind of increased in um, interest in her and her story and so I just kind of rode the wave and helped people learn who she was and you know how she was involved in all of these different initiatives in our country. Well, Ms. Duster, I definitely um, want to thank you for, again, championing her legacy and bringing it to an even wider audience. You know, I, she worked in so many different areas. You know, I know that um, it's not, um, it's no small task we're talking about. And I uh, certainly welcome you anytime to join us again um, to highlight the newest uh, project or book or, you know, monument <laughs> that's coming out. We, uh, she definitely holds a dear place in our hearts. And um, of course, her writings are made available at AFRIWARE. We're going to have a whole um, category, you know, dedicated to her and your and your family's works um, and we um, you know things are no not enough um, but uh, it we, we recognize it's very important work that you are continuing forward so I want to be respectful of your time for those of you uh, listening in um, Ms. Duster is traveling and um, multitasking and we're just happy to have a few moments at, that hopefully we have piqued your interest um, and curiosity to research more about her. I'm so thankful that her original writings are available. That's my personal favorite. I like to read the, the original, right? The primary source, there's no replacement to that in my opinion, so. With that, um, thank you. Any closing um, remarks or? 
notations? Well, I mean, I'll just say that one of, one of the goals that I've had with the work that I've done um, is to humanize my great-grandmother, Agony Wells. Um, she was, uh, you know, a civil rights activist. She was a um, pioneer in data journalism. She was part of the suffrage movement. She was also considered a social worker um, because she opened up a rooming house in for Southern migrants in Bronzeville. In 1910, the first wave of the Great Migration that happened. Um, I mean, she did a lot of different things, um, and some people can feel like intimidated by her legacy. And I mean, I've met a lot of people who are like, "Oh, you know, I can never do what she did," and whatever. And I just want people to feel that they there are parts of her that they can absolutely relate to, not be in awe of, but literally feel like they can relate um, to her. Um, one of the things I try to do in Ida Be the Queen was to humanize her in a way that would make people realize that she, yes, she did amazing things. I mean, she was extraordinary, um, but she also, you know, was lonely at times. And she also had self-doubt. Um, she also felt discouraged at times. And I wanted people to know that she has the same emotional, you know, range as everybody else. Um, and so hopefully that makes her feel relatable. And I've also tried to make sure that um, I've, I've created work in spaces that are accessible to everybody. Um, and that's why, you know, with um, the first two books that I edited, I was purposeful about making her work accessible to everybody um, because I realized everybody's not going to go to the archives and read, you know, documents from 100 years ago. Um, and so I wanted to make her work accessible and, and to make it um and shape it in ways that, that relate to today. So for both of those books, I um, added essays of what is happening currently to tie it to what was happening during her time so people can see the parallels um, or just how what happened during her time affects what happens today. Because I think it's important for history to not seem dry and, you know, um, and irrelevant. Like it, it mapped, like what happened 100 years ago does impact what happens today. And so that's my hope with everything that I'm doing is that people can see connections and see themselves in, in the work. And you're doing it so well. Any school could take a day trip, you know, to these monuments and say, oh, it's not just in black and white in a dusty book on a shelf, right? You can go and talk and you can interview people who stayed in Ida B. Wells' homes, you know. It's uh, multifaceted is her, her works. And so I, I'm so thankful that, you know, the accessibility was your um, focus. It shows. It shows. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, and I mean, people, um, you know, they're creating uh, walking and biking tours of Bronzeville. Actually, there's one happening July 30th. Um, I can send you the information. It's with the um, Chicago Race Riot uh, Commemorative Art Project. Um, so even if you just Google Chicago Race Riot, project um, it'll probably the, the website will probably come up but there's a they're going to be doing a book tour a, a bike tour on july 30th um, that will incorporate several of the um pieces that you just kind of showed on the website uh, and i've worked with a couple of people who do walking tours um so the whole idea um with the 
the pieces that are in Bronzeville were purposefully um, placed to to make it so that they're easily walkable um, within like a mile radius. And, and so that's another hope of mine is that people will start to, you know, either take it upon themselves, even Girl Track um, created uh, a walk called Ida Track um, that goes around Bronzeville and, you know, hits some of the um, places that are connected and relevant to Ida's life and so you know it, it's it's because she lived and worked in Bronzeville her, the whole time she was in Chicago um, and so lucky for us you know a lot of the things that were affiliated with her are really walking distance from each other um, so people can kind of take in the whole all of the sites but also just realize they're walking on the same space um, that she actually walked on yeah. Um, and hopefully that has an impact, you know, an emotional impact. You know, like you're literally walking on the same ground um, that she walked on, and she was she lived and breathed and, and, and raised her children in this area, um, went to church in this area. Um, the, so there, there are several places um, in that area. I've been in contact, you know, with the people who are affiliated with the places, and just to make sure that they're all included on these walking and biking tours. Mm -hmm critical to, you know, maintaining an interest in young people and in bringing out um, the historical monuments to me. That's, that's really the key. Um, and again, I thank you and I encourage everyone to just get out. You know, we're, we're not quarantining <laughs> as much <laughs> these days. Um, and, you know, just get out and touch and feel and talk to others and share with your neighbors um, about her works. It's monumental. And as we talked about earlier, um, keeping our legacy, especially our, um, our triumphs, you know, and our trials, um, what we were able to do in spite of um, is extremely empowering and it helps us to continue forward through thick and thin so yeah I, I highly respect I highly respect her work I'm just talking to everybody that I you know that I can about the parallels in particular um, in her day I mean just like her parents were affected by an epidemic mm -hmm. and unfortunately were died within 24 hours of each other you know and she you know, obviously had to have that experience of uh, the world kind of shutting down. And so we, there was so much that I was just like, oh yeah, you know, we're going through something similar with the pandemic. And there's so many more instances of that, so. Right, absolutely. So hopefully people can read the books, Ida Be the Queen, um, for like basically teenagers and up. Um, and then Ida B. Wells' Voice of Truth is for little kids. Um, it's a picture, children's picture book that most, you know, mostly would be read to children. Um, and and then the other books that we mentioned, Ida's, yeah, The Doll. Um, you know, so, you know, so that's my hope is that, you know, and that's why I've kind of worked in different mediums. I mean, I've obviously written books, but then I've worked with a doll. And then I've worked in public history projects because I think people 
are exposed to information in different ways. And so if you see the monument first, but then you want to know more about her, then you can read the book. If you read the book first, then you can go see the monument. And so to me, they're all interconnected and they're just different ways that people learn. Excellent point. Excellent point. We will close. <laughs> we will close with that. Um, yeah, that's what the school system needs to acknowledge, you know, and not one over the other, but they're all equally um, important and equally valid ways of learning. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you. Oh, I really, really appreciate you and your family. Um, thank you for continuing on the legacy of your great grandmother. Okay, thank you. <laughs> End of session here.